Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, happy Wednesday. Today, my guest on the happy hour is Sam Collier. Now, Sam is making his debut on the happy hour as our first, but not exactly first male guest on the show. It's kind of funny. And we start off the show talking about this. So you're going to hear what I mean. If Sam is a new person to you, I'm so excited for you to connect with him and to learn about who he is. If you already follow Sam, then you know this episode is going to be awesome. And it is awesome, my friends. Sam had a book come out just yesterday called A Greater Story, My Rescue, Your Purpose, and Our Place in God's Plan. You're going to want to grab your own copy wherever books are sold because it's an incredible story and has some helpful tips along the way for all of us to understand our place in God's plan. Friends, if you listened last Friday on the episode with Morgan Harper Nichols, I shared with you that I have some big news going out to the world today. Today is some big news. If you want to get all the details on what I shared, text UBU, that's a clue, text UBU to 33777. I'm going to shoot you the big news and we're going to take our friendship to the next level, you guys, with a text on your phone. Text UBU to 33777. Okay, here's my conversation with my friend, Sam Collier. Hey, Sam, welcome to the happy hour. Jamie, listen, I I just feel like, is God coming back soon? Because this is just a miracle that <laughs> I miracle. ended up on. I mean, this is a legendary show. Can I just, I just, I just, for, I mean, fan out for a minute, okay? So I started podcasting about two or three years ago, maybe. And when I first started podcasting, I would go to the Christian charts on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, because that's how you kind of, and I showed up a couple of times, right? And you're right. like, and during that season, I said, I have to see who's at the top so that I can know what I'm shooting for. And you were always, I mean, top five consistently, top five, top five, top five, top five. And so it's, it's wild that I'm on the show right now. And I think I'm the first male guest. Did you say that? Sam, listen, this is an iconic show right here. Okay. A, for a couple of reasons. A, you and I have been trying to do something together for a while. Yeah. B, I made the announcement last week that the happy hour is now accepting male contestants. <laughs> I am now interviewing men on the regular happy hour, not on the special edition, not on the whatever. This is, you are our very first male guest. Congratulations. And I'm a black man. So, a black so it's, man. I'm a black male first. <laughs> like, I, I'm in. <laughs> You're in. Okay, I need to backtrack because, yeah. listen, for those longtime listeners going to be like, Jamie, you're lying to us. I did have Jonathan Pitts on the show. Do you know who Jonathan Pitts is? I don't know, but and I mean, I do know. He's also a black man. <gasps> Let me just tell you. Pitts. I see a theme here. Anyhow, he's been on the show because his, <laughs> it's a long story my listeners will know. But listen, you're the very first, this is a new day at the happy hour 
Sam's on the show. I, I'm blessed, highly favored. Am I right? I mean, you are favor, highly favored. Favor ain't fair. And that's where I'm at right now. Jamie, honored to be on the show. I'm excited to have you on my show in a couple weeks. So um, I cannot wait driving up to Nashville, bringing the cameras out. I mean, it's going to be like, it's going to be a production for Jamie Ivey. You got to, right? So I'm so excited. Okay, Sam, tell everybody that's listening, all my people, what do you do? You just said you're going to put me on camera. And I don't know if you know this. I should let you know before we meet up in Nashville. My dream job is a TV show. So you might give me my big break. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> tell everybody what you do. Yeah, I am a, lack of a better phrase, definitely a pastor. I will say, I don't know, if it won't be out by then, but there's some things in the works. We, I was with North Point for a really long time. So Andy Stanley, that was kind of my claim to fame, if you will. Andy kind of put his, he let me stand on that stage. All, people always ask, are you on, were you on staff? No, but I was, but I wasn't. Okay, okay the, the way it. it worked is a 40,000 member, massive machine. Six stages they have to fill every Sunday. You know, 25 stages they have to fill every Sunday. Six, seven campuses. And so, because I'm a black man, because I'm in Atlanta, because they were looking to diversify over the last four years, I kind of got in where I, you know, where I, where I was fitting in. And so, I would just show up on stage all of the time in any type of capacity, whether it was speaking hosting at all of the different campuses as a contractor behind the scenes, but in front of the scenes, everybody thought I was a pastor on staff because I was on stage all the time. And so got it, got it. Andy kind of put his weight behind me and it just catapulted me into so many different arenas from Catalyst to Global Leadership Summit to Orange Conference, Orange Tours, all that. And in the midst of that, I started a television show and a radio podcast on Impact Television Network. It's on Pure Flix also, version, NRB TV. And so we're in about 100 million homes weekly. That's why we got to have you on. I'm bringing the cameras out for you. I have to. And, it's, and can I just say this? You got me going. COVID-19 has killed my production. I mean, it killed my production. Yeah. So yeah. We were just, we've just been doing reruns over the summer. And so this will be like our first time when we get you on. We're able to do a fresh show. Oh, this is so, so I'm excited. Good. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm going to need to make a note to self to get my hair done that day, Sam, because listen, all those people are going to be seeing me. I'm excited. Okay. This is so excited. But one thing I, I have like a list of things I want to roll through and talk to you about because you have a very interesting life. Tell me about your wife and your kids and your daughter real quick. Okay. Now my wife, have you ever seen the show Scandal? I know this is a Christian show. Yeah. Olivia. Olivia Pope. Olivia Pope. My wife is the Christian Olivia Pope. That's who. What does that mean? She's like, she's wearing the white suit. She's got the heels on. She's doing the swish. I mean, she's like, that's what she, I she love could, it. Look, if somebody broke into my account on Instagram, she could figure out how to find them. Like, she's just <laughs> that person. But she does the exact same thing that I do. A little bit different. She works with women as well as it pertains to kind of brokenness. Her story is just wild. She has this brand called Broken Crayon Still Color. And so it's kind of her life mantra, if you will, that, you know, she came through brokenness and God is still using her to do some amazing things. So she's at North Point as well. Da, da, da. But I didn't even say it. We are planning a church next year in Atlanta. I, I cannot give any more details. We are doing it with this with the brand. I mean, it's a big brand. It's a new family. Andy does know about it. I will say that okay, this is not breaking uh, news. Yeah, yeah. I, it, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's break. I haven't really said it, but it, I'm going to come back here first or at least text you and say you can announce this. Please do. But it's coming. It's coming. Okay. So. You know, I, I met your wife at Passion. What? Yes. 
I was down the side and she was with Gloria. Gloria Umana. Am yeah. I right to say that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and they were dancing and I was dancing and we met and it was like, this is good times right here. So that was, was it fun. 20, was it 2020, Pitch? Yeah, just a couple months ago. So it was, you were down there in the foyer. I was down underneath. there. I know you uh-huh. at. I know you at. <laughs> I was down in the in the places, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Where um, only you can be. All right, well, sorry. Well, there were a lot of people there, so let's not <laughs> let's not pretend. Okay, this is so exciting, Sam. I want to jump in. First things first is to let everyone know that you have a book that actually just released yesterday, and so congratulations. By the way, it's called A Greater Story, and um, I have got my hands and eyes on about probably three fourths of it, and it's just it's really really good, people. So if you're looking for some encouragement along with great storytelling. Jump in and get this book. It's so good. But I want you to set the stage for this book, A Greater Story. And I know this is a lot of what you talk about is a greater story, your TV, your pie, all the things. What what led you to write about it? Wow. First of all, it's, again, surreal to be here. As you said, yesterday it came out. I mean, first uh, national release. I mean, you, you, I mean, you're an author. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, Baker Publishing put it out. I mean, when we did the book, it was, it was between Zondervan, Thomas Nelson and Baker. And can I be honest? Zondervan was my dream at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I hopped on the phone with Baker and I just said, ah, I think this is my publisher. I mean, it, so just a dream come true. I'm over the moon. I, I can't sleep. I'll say this, you know, the television show we have now and the kind of brand of Greater Story Ministries. And, you know, on the show, we've had people like Andy Stanley and Lecrae and Jamie Ivey and, you know, so on (laughs) and so forth. And, you know, honestly, we started the podcast slash radio slash television thing to lead up to a book. That was the whole reason Mm -hmm. that we started it. And I'll be honest. Can I be honest? And I think you know this. It just took us so long to get the proposal out that I, I ended up doing the podcast for like two or three years. Yeah. And, the, and the TV show podcast blew up way bigger than. And so people are thinking that the book is based on the show. But actually, the show was based on the book that I would one day write. I mean, everything was leading there. Yeah. And it started, Jamie, at North Point, to be honest. So I have to shout out Andy Stanley again and also have to shout out a guy named Jeff Henderson who used to be overall sports marketing at Chick-fil-A. And he was kind of the first one to drop the cows from the top of the arena at the college football games and so on and so forth. So when you think Chick-fil-A bowl, when you think all of that was Jeff Henderson and he left Chick-fil-A and went over to North Point and became one of their campus pastors. And he's just, he's so innovative, but I, I became really good friends with him. He became kind of a mentor and he said, Sam, I need you to come on a Sunday and tell your story. And at the time leading up to that, I had just been on the Steve Harvey show while I was at North Point and I met my biological family for the first time on national television after 25 years. And he said to me, Sammy, you have to say this, you have to tell this. And I said, well, Jeff, I mean, how do I tell it? Like, what should I say? He called me into a meeting with some of the staff. He said, all right, tell us the story. So I just start talking as I'm talking to you. And he said, say it just like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, at North Point, uh, they're really big on bottom lines. So Andy's whole thing is figure out how to say everything you want to say in one sentence. And so I'm asking Jeff, what's the bottom line of this whole story? He said, well, why don't you 
take the bottom line that we've already created for the series called that the series we were in, which was called Cast Member. The idea that, mm-hmm. you know, God's telling this grand story and we all play a part. We're a part of the cast. We're a cast member. And the tagline for the series was when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. Now, pause. Jeff Henderson, again, sports marketing. And so he speaks in marketing terms. That's just right. He'll say That's something and it's a, right, it's, it's a million dollar brand. And it, uh-huh. I mean, he's doing $10 million brands every day. And so after I did the kind of message, I said, Jeff, can I, uh, can I just, can I, can have, I have that? that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. Right. And he's like, I mean, I'm not doing anything with it. I mean, he, I mean, again, he does this every day. And so I took it and grabbed the part, a greater story out. And it became you know, what we now know as a greater story, the book, the podcast, the brand, whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, As I was reading your book, I think you know this. And if you're a new listener, you might not know this. For anyone that doesn't know, my family is built on adoption, basically. Three out of four of my children joined our family through adoption. Yeah. So as I'm reading your story, and you can read in the story about how you met your biological mother and siblings, and I just, it it always makes me, to be quite honest, a little nervous when I read stories like this. And I'll tell you why. And then you can speak into if you felt this way at all, because you talk in the book about your parents who raised you. We'll call them your parents. They raised you. They were encouraging of this. And Aaron and I would be encouraging of our kids the same way. We have an open adoption with one of our kids' birth mothers. The other two were born in another country. We would help them pursue anything they ever wanted. But there was this moment that you write about, which is what makes me nervous, is when you had to come to grips and you say in the book, she didn't want me. Mm. That's what makes me nervous about my kids chasing their story. And listen, you came to the conclusion and I wrote it down when I was talking about it. And you had a conversation with one of your biological siblings and you came to the conclusion actually that you were wanted by two mothers. And I I guess my question for you and what makes me nervous about this is how did you reconcile all of this in your brain as a 25 year old boy finding this information out for the first time. And I don't need you to go into family history because you do that in the book really well. But what did that look like for you emotionally to go on this journey of meeting the woman who gave birth to you and you felt she didn't want you, but maybe she did all of the things that encompass adoption. Go Sam. It's time. And let me say this. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about on this. So I want to give you full reign to ask me any deep, dark question or whatever. I'll save, I'll save those, Sam, for off camera when I'm like, tell me how to parent my kids well right. when I go through this because I want them to and I just want to lead them and cheer them on well. So you, we can have those conversations off air where you can kind of give Aaron and I all the advice. Okay, I got you. Well, okay, so you've got adopted kids, obviously. And I think, you know, we got adopted, me and my sister, at two months. So black family, Black adoption, we kind of looked like our adopted parents. So, and our family was extremely accepting. We always knew we were adopted, always, from day one, Mm -hmm. which I think is the healthiest. Mm -hmm. And our family, and when I say family, my adopted family, they never, it was never, that's our adopted cousin. It was never, it was always, that's my cousin, Uh that's my nephew, that's my grandson, you know, so on and so forth. So there was this sense of acceptance that was always there for us. We always felt 
really, I mean, even beyond acceptance that, that we were blood. I mean, it just, yeah. it just was what it was. And we had, and I guess the other piece of it is, you know, we had to tell people we were adopted. Nobody knew people. And when they found out, they were like, what? Yeah. No, that you look just like, you uh-huh. know, I'm like, no, we're actually, you know. Yeah. So I say all that to say going into the Steve Harvey show, for me specifically, and I have a, me and my twin sister got adopted together, which I, which I don't talk much. Of, I don't, I leave her out of the book on purpose a lot yeah. just to really kind of protect her. But going into the show, me and my twin sister specifically, and I'll just say specifically me, I had a very strong foundation of love, acceptance, and Maybe this is advice or not, but I think the fact that I was 25 really helped. Mm, you were a little, had a little more wisdom, a little more years, a little more maturity. I was already formed. Yeah. I wasn't really searching for yeah. identity. I wasn't figuring, and you know, when, when, when you look back on your life, you look around age 18, 19, 20, you're still kind of finding yourself. Yeah, for sure. And so I think by 25, Four twenty-five. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I kind of know who I am mm-hmm. and I know what I want to be. I, I kind of know. And then you add in the Jesus point, which is yeah. huge. Yeah. 50 to 60, 70% of this, right? I mean, if not 90, Jesus was in my life already. I had understood the idea of the gospel and the idea of us being adopted into the family of, you know, Christ, so on yeah. and so forth, yeah. wanted, chosen, all of these things. Going into the Steve Harvey show and reuniting with our biological family, all of that was in the foundation. Yeah. There was a moment, and this is a long, I went around here to get to an answer, the long road. There was a moment backstage, and I don't, I don't know if I put this in the book or not. I can't remember. There was a moment where my sister had a moment with my ado- adopted dad, my dad, who's, yeah. this is his thing, right? He's like, hey, we, this is what you need to do. And because I had Jesus and I was doing a lot of work in the inner city already, I had an understanding of how the mind works when you're coming out of poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's, it's kind of a war zone every day, yeah. which is where our biological family is from, which is what we were born into, extreme poverty, extreme, you know, craziness, drugs, all of that. So I had an understanding there. And then I had an understanding of the gospel and the acceptance and God's grace and working everything out for our good, so on and so forth. But my sister... My sister had a moment where, you know, and she's saved, but she's, you know, she's her. And she had a moment backstage where she said, you know, but what if they don't want us? I mean, she's just, you know, just, she has this breakdown backstage. And my dad is, you know, he's 84 now mm-hmm. and from the country. And so he's loud. He, I mean, he's like. He's kind of, he was kind of inappropriate. He's like, well, you just need to, you need to be grateful. God opened this door. And she's like, but what about our waters? And I'm looking at him like, so she storms out. <laughs> and I'm looking at him at the side of my eye going, really? Right you, now? You, right now you want to challenge her? Yeah. And so they take her to the back room and they have a psychologist on set. The psychologist comes back. I come in the room with the psychologist and the psychologist says something I'll never forget. And this is the answer to my, to the question. (laughs) He says to my sister, what you came in here with, you're going to leave with. Mm. And it was huge. He said, you came in here accepted. Mm. You came in here loved. You came in here chosen. 
Nothing about what happens in this interaction is going to change any of that. And it calmed her down. And, and that was huge. So I think for me, obviously things worked out and da, 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 da. But had they not worked out, it would not have changed that we came in accepted, that we came in loved, that we came in chosen, not just by God, but by our parents, mm-hmm. the ones that loved us. And so I, I think even to your story with your kids, it's like, one, I would say it would be good to wait until they've got some formation, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I can't tell, you know, God may speak to you guys at some point and say, no, yeah. it's time to do it at 17. But because we had some formation and foundation, that statement was easier to kind of sit in because it was like, no, you know what? I am who I am. I am shaped by love. I am shaped by acceptance. I am shaped by identity that, you know, the whole kind of nature versus nurture kind of thing. And so because of that, you know, things worked out. So, And you had that loved, acceptance, wanted, not only from your family, but also from God. You had like a, a stronger, deeper foundation that nothing would have changed had you left there because of that. Yeah. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? 
Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So another question I have for you about just that journey that you have been on with discovering this greater story with finding, you know, birth family and all the things. Do you now have relationships with this kind of, I mean, I look at it as like you have this new family that you didn't even really know. You knew about them, obviously, because you knew that you were birthed by another woman. But what is the relationships like with you and your new siblings? Yeah, you know, awkward, weird, there, not, you know. Yeah, I, I would definitely say there. I'll be honest. I gave my sister permission to take 25 more years because when we first, when we met our biological family, I don't want to word this the right way. Um, they all came running very fast. Oh, so, really? yeah. So, I mean, my sister deactivated her Facebook. Overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, they came out of nowhere because we're on national mm-hmm. TV. So, Anyone that knows, you know, or know any, know any from any state is going boom, 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 boom. Because, and I'm thinking, you know, from their mind, they're going, we got to make up for lost time. Right. You know, we love you, so on and so forth, da, 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 da. And I think it was even easier for them to find us and, and identify because my siblings had come on the show. So they knew them. They didn't know us, but they knew them. So they're like, wait a minute, Jarrell, uh-huh. Jer- LaShawn, Eric, those are y'all's. Uh Wait, that's our, oh, you know. And so everybody's coming out of, you know, in every way. And and I think this is good to say, I can say it this way. You ever watch a Tyler Perry movie? Mm -hmm. Okay, you've seen one. So that's the exact example of my (laughs) biological family. (laughs) You know, that says everything you need. Okay, I got it. I'm in. Yeah, great people, phenomenal people. But Tyler, I mean, it's, you know, that's everything. Just think that. And just, so imagine all of Tyler Perry's characters, (laughs) characters rushing your inbox and coming, you know, so my sister had to take a moment and she called me because she was just like, people keep calling me cousin and sister and this, that, and the third, like I, you know, do I, you know, do I have to like, and she's really coming to me for permission. Yeah. Because she's like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to react like, do what can I? And I said, Sarah, you need, if you need to take 25 more years, Mm. you take those years. Yeah. 
just to get there. And so I say all of that to say, yes, there's relationship. I leaned in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. She leaned out a little bit more, which was fine. And so, but I had to create a sense of just kind of guardrails for all of us just getting to know each other, which I think was healthy for everyone because I- Yeah. Yeah. Because I think for them, you know, I think they're trying their best. But, you know, you I always say this: you can't force relationship. Right. You know, you've got you've got blood and that's very important. Mm -hmm. But the worst thing you could do is to try to force something and and then it not be authentic. And, you know, so I've tried to. So we text. That's the best way to say it. Love it. Text every almost every other week, so on and so forth. And, you know, me and my brother are, you know, and me and my biological mother probably every other week. So love it. Um, Sam, there's a a line in your book that I wrote down and you didn't say it. I'll give credit to who said it, but I want to ask you about this line and I want you to tell me how this has been true in your life. You, you talked about interviewing the Kendrick brothers and Alex Kendrick said a line and I wrote it down and honestly, I haven't stopped thinking about it. And I don't know if the same has been true for you after the first time he said it to you, but he said they were just chasing the favor of God. And to give a little preface, you said, you know, they're filmmakers, they're creating great work, they're creating great work in the faith space. And I don't know the Kendrick brothers, and you could maybe fill in some blanks, but I wonder if they ever thought, I'm going to do it in this space, but God led them to this space, and his his line to you was, we're just going to chase the favor of God. And that stuck with me, and I want to know from you, what does that look like in your life to just chase the favor of God? You know, I think I am the result, even on this podcast, of chasing after the favor of God. I mean, when I look back at all of the different roads that led me to Jamie Ivey, mm. right? I mean, when I think about where I came from, where I started, and even before I was adopted, it's nothing but favor. I mean, I started out in the Black church, Pentecostal kind of back, like way over here. And so for me to make it to you, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's insane. I mean, to jump from that community over to North Point and then to navigate North Point and even to, lack of a better phrase, you know, gain some sort of influence to where I would even be a guest worthy of having, you know, quote unquote on the show to navigate to a book deal to all of this. It's nothing but the favor of God. I never thought I was going to be in ministry I never wanted to be in ministry. I never thought I would be writing a book. I mean, I had other plans. What were you your know, other plans? <laughs> you know, I wanted to be Christian, the Christian version of Usher. I did me and you, you talk did. about this. Okay. okay. No, I've never talked about this with you. Yeah, like I wanted to be Usher. Like I thought I was gonna be Usher, and you know, I didn't become him. <laughs> but Can I tell you a funny story about Usher real quick? Please. My brother, I mean, this had to have been 15. I mean, how, Usher's been around for a while. This had to have been. 13 years ago, 14 years ago, he gave me an Usher DVD for Christmas because I was really, and I, I mean, I'm a married woman, a mom at this time. And he gives me the DVD saying, I put it in and about like seven minutes in, I was like, I don't think this would be good for my marriage. I couldn't watch this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And so I never even finished it because I was like, I'm kind of getting a little hot and bothered over here by Usher on the DVD. I might put some boundaries in my life. Right. So there's my you're like story. You're like 8701 <laughs> Usher, my way, uh, Confessions Usher. Uh, it was too much. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought I was going to be him. I mean, I did R&B music. I was playing instruments. I mean, that's what I really thought I was going to be even before Christ. And so, you know, a greater, 
again, you can't plan meeting your biological family, Mm -hmm. nor did I plan creating a brand around it or a book that helps people kind of connect, so on and so forth. So all of this that I'm living in right now, I mean, it truly is the favor of, it's the favor of God. And I think it's saying, it's been saying yes, as me, and I'm not perfect. So let me go ahead and say that now. I've not always said yes. You know, I don't know anyone that maybe has said yes right. as many times as they need to say yes. Jesus, that's so, it. Just Jesus. <laughs> just Jesus, right? <laughs> say yes to Jesus. And then along the way, I feel like he's asked me to, consistently put some dreams down for his dreams for me. And I think for me, I'm just not afraid of starting over. Yeah. I've never been afraid of starting over. It's been really scary. Uh There there was a massive period in my life, you know, that where God kind of really honestly stripped me from music. My whole family, even my adopted family, they all thought I was going to be doing music Mm -hmm. and running after that and doing all that. And to the point, so when I when I said when I put it down and picked up ministry, people were going crazy. They're like, "What are you doing?" Like, you know, and and so I, I think that was the big moment for me where I feel like God said, "I need to strip you of your quote unquote desires mm. for mine." And would you be willing to trade your desires for mine and your dreams for mine? And so I think That's that so moment, hard. Is, oh, it's, it's very it's very difficult. The first time is the hardest. The first time is the hardest. Yeah. Because you're going, God, you know, I always ask the question, what if you wake up one day and you realize that you're something you never thought you were? I mean, that's, you know, we build our identities, you know, on, you know, consistency and on what we think we're supposed to do and on our dreams and on what we see. And it becomes who we are. And so, honestly, it is a little bit like stripping yourself of your identity to create a new one. And it's very violent, (laughs) to say the least. You know, I see this and... I speak to, you know, mostly women here. And this whole idea of what you're saying is like, I had these ideas for what I thought I was going to do. My life was going to be. And God was like, nope, we're going to do something different. And I see this struggle with women so often is that they see it. And it might say, it might not even be what they desire for their life, but they look at this other woman and they're like, okay, I want to be her. I desire to be this woman. And that is what I see is so destructive for for people is looking at someone else and wanting their life. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. And even what the Kendricks brother said in that quote is like, we had to lay down a, what we thought we wanted and B maybe what we thought was success for someone else. And we had to do what God wanted us to do. And that is so difficult. Well, it's, and it's huge that you say that because I think for me, what it came down to it. And you know, when you meet your biological family, right. And, and you you start to understand that, you know, they were raised, my brothers and sisters specifically, in poverty, extreme, you know, poverty. But yet we were raised in this middle class kind of Christian home. Mm-hmm. You start asking questions about God that you've never asked before. Yeah. Which is, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, why did you take me out? Why did you leave them in? And, die? and when you start to go down that road, you start to understand, well, it's not that God plays favorites at all because he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, because I can say the same question. Well, how come you didn't send me into a rich family? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, there's just so many things. It's not that he plays favorites. It's that God has a specific plan for you 
connected to his greater plan that doesn't necessarily make sense. And so when you start to think about all the things that God has brought you from and rescued you out of and sent you through and all of that, you start to go, okay, is this my life or is it yours? Mm. And I think that that question is what leads you to the ability of going, you know what? I don't want somebody else's stuff. I don't even want what I want. I want whatever you want for me because I am where I am. I have what I have because you've given it to me. And so it just starts to become this whole perspective shift around really what do I owe you, God, for what you've done for me, for what you've brought me through, for what you've provided. What is now my responsibility for the opportunity that I now live in, the favor that I now live in, the provision? Because, I mean, you can go really far on this thing and start even thinking about the fact that you live in the United States versus Africa and some, what they call dire poverty, right? Where, you know, where they have slum, the slums in Nairobi and all, and you start to go, wait a minute, why am I here? And he's there and she's, and you just go, okay, God, you've done a work that I have now responsibility in. Mm. And so the only way to walk fully in that responsibility and in this opportunity is to relinquish all control and pick up what you have for me versus what other people have. I don't know if that answers the question. That was pretty deep. All well, I once. saw you ask N.T. Wright the question, which is like, okay, let's just go to the, <laughs> go to the big daddy dogs. And his, you, you listed out a couple of things that you learned from that, just asking him like, okay, that whole question of like suffering and all this, why me, why not them, all the things. And his very first a- answer to you was, I mean, quite honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't know why God would do those type of things. And you were talking about having a conversation with a friend of yours. And that answer of, I don't know why God would do that is really hard to swallow sometimes of like, oh, wait, I think I would rather just know, you know, and I have to go a little bit deeper with that because I've wrestled with the same things, especially having children adopted from a third world country and all those type of questions that I've had to ask myself. And it gets down to me a little bit of like, okay, if if I believe the gospel to be true, which I do, and I believe that Jesus is the good news and the, you know, he is our sacrifice. He's our mediator between us and God. I believe all those things. Then I have to take away some of these like quote unquote blessings that we say like, okay, well, this is a blessing because this, and look at people all around the world and go, man, God works in their stories in different ways than ours. Even if we strip away all the things about, because the questions of why was I born in Texas to a great family? And why did my other, why did one of my kids not get that opportunity? You know? And so they're deep, hard questions that Sam and I are not going to give you the answer to because they're just confusing. But what I'm trying to say in all this rambling is I have to look to and trust that God is just what you said. He's in everyone's story, no matter what the circumstances look like. And that sometimes what seems like great circumstances to us, it doesn't make us any better or more favorable than, you know, my friends in Rwanda who don't have a house like mine and don't have air conditioning, but they are chasing God and they're a part of his story right where they are. It's hard. This just it's hard to reconcile sometimes the lives that we've been given. And I think that's kind of what you're talking through. 100%. And, you know, I often say that in the midst of all of the, the hope that we have is that in the midst of the chaos, you know, the text, you know, the Bible from the beginning to the end is just one big story of God bringing order to chaos. Yeah. That means just one big story of that is when it starts off with, you know, he, the spirit is hovering over the deep and there's these waters then all of a sudden he let there be light and boom, 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 boom. You go from that all the way to Revelations and it's Jesus coming in to do all these different things. And it's just bringing, and then Revelation, a new earth, new heaven. You know, 
it's just this constant idea of him going, here's chaos. Now let me bring order to it. You know, here's a mess. Let me turn it into a miracle in a sense, right? Yeah. Uh, beauty, you know, from ashes. All these, don't, don't get me started. I'm about to go there. But with, with all of that being said, it's like, you know, I often say that in the midst of all of the chaos, the hope that we have is that there is a God that we can trust mm-hmm. is moving all of the pieces on the chessboard to redeem humanity yeah, and to set the captive free. Now, the difficult part is us understanding how he's going to do it and why he's doing it in the time frame that he's doing it in. I, I was having a conversation with one of my atheist friends and the biggest thing that was most difficult for them to get to wrestle with is, or to accept is that God's going to handle it all at one time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, at one time he will come back. Right. Yeah. And at one time he's going to deal with all sin. He's going to deal with this. He's going to deal with, and he's going to flip the world on this, but he's just not, it's not happening now. Right now we're in process and we're all a part of this narrative and we all, we all have our part to play, but to be a Christian, is to be okay with accepting that he's going to do it when he wants to do it. Mm. But that in the middle of the journey, he's going to be with us. Yeah. And, and sometimes he'll move the mountain. Mm. Sometimes he doesn't move the mountain. But what we know is that he gives us the strength to climb whatever mountain he doesn't move or to persevere through any suffering that we may yeah. find ourselves in. And I would rather persevere through it with him than without. I mean, you know, yeah, so yeah. I say all of that to say, the best thing we could do in the midst of the uncertainty, one is trust him, but also just play our part. Mm. Whatever part we have to play, just play it, knowing that our part is a part of, of a greater story that he's telling that we may not fully understand right now, but we will one day. Yeah. So good. Such It does make sense. And it's such an encouragement to believe that we have purpose and to believe that that God has put, I, I mean, there's a scripture, I don't know where it is. Look, I'm going to say maybe in Romans. I don't know. Isn't everything good in Romans? I don't know. <laughs> just, uh, just, but right. there's this scripture that God has placed us in places for that time. And that is so comforting to me in a way to know that when I don't understand and when it, life doesn't seem fair and it seems chaotic and messy and all the things that it is, is that for some reason God thought it would be fit for me to live in 2020 outside of Austin, Texas. You know, like just to know that God is in all of that is so encouraging. There's a song, do you like Elevation Worship? Oh, I love Elevation. Yes, 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 yes. So that Graves in the Gardens, there's this line in it that's, I love that song so much. It says, he's the God of the mountains and the God of the valleys. And I just have been thinking about that so much, even with this concept that we're talking about is that God doesn't change when things seem quote unquote good and when things seem quote unquote bad, you know, that he is still God and it can still be a part of our story, which is so hard for humanity. It's so hard for us to hold on to that, but you're talking about that in this book and it's so good. What is, okay, so when someone closes the last page of your book, I always like to ask authors this and it's a hard question to answer because I think it's, I think it's hard for me to answer. What do you want someone to think or feel or do or understand when they close the last page of this book? There's a couple points I would love for them to walk away with. One, God can still do miracles. That's right. That's my, that's the one, the biggest, I think that's the story. Like it's, how do you get born into poverty, displaced, all these things happen, discounted, 25 years goes by, you reunite on national television. It's like, that's a miracle. Yeah. I think for me, that's one of the biggest things is that people have belief 
that God can do the miraculous. He may not do it all the time, but he can. Yeah. And sometimes he's just waiting on us to give him the opportunity to do it. No matter where you are around the world, he's going, hey, I want to show myself strong. Give me the opportunity to do what only I can do. So that's one, that God is still in the miracle business, He can, and he still can do it. That's one. I think the second one is that God can take your mess and turn it into a, a message. Mm. You know, he can turn your right. mess into a message. I mean, he, if you let him. And I'll say that for it, and that to me is a universal truth. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, he can turn your mess into a message if you let him in. Mm. It, your story and your suffering will not be in vain. It will free someone and it will further the kingdom. And he can do it if you let him in. Every, that, that's the greater story that I'm saying. It's like there is a greater story for all of us. Yeah. He wants to turn our message into a message and a miracle, whatever you yeah. want to go. Uh-huh. If we let him in, um, he'll do it. He's waiting to do that. That's the second thing. The third and final thing I want people to walk away with is that there is a formula for discovering purpose. There's a, and I don't, I don't know if it's the A Greater Story chapter, the chapter named after the book, or if it's another one. I think it's in A Greater Story, the chapter. But in this chapter, I give a three-pronged strategy for helping people discover purpose. One of life's greatest questions that we all have is, what's my purpose, yeah. right? It's, and I've heard pastors and ministers and all of that, and people really, can I be honest, run around it. They just run around it. They do everything they can. Oh, wait, oh, God's not really mm-hmm. into the, oh, you know, everything you do makes sense. Oh, you can just kind of choose. And I, and I agree. I agree. Like, I think if you're running after God every day, if you're leveraging everything you have for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom, yes, I believe God is pleased. And I believe that's a part of, obviously, the grand purpose. But I definitely believe that there are specific purposes for all of us, for specific people. I think the Happy Hour podcast was a large part of what God had ordained for Jamie Ivey. I just mm-hmm. think it is what it is. Like, I don't yeah. think that that just, you didn't just pop up one day right. and then all of a sudden God's like, oh yeah, let's do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I think he wrote that into your story. And so with that being said, I think he has a Happy Hour podcast for all of us. Now it's not mm-hmm. maybe a podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's as simple as a blog. Maybe it's just playing a position at a church. Uh-huh. Maybe it's starting. I don't know. But he has something specific for all of us. The question is, is how do we get there? And I won't unpack it, but, I, I, but I'll simply say it is when passion, gifting, and provision collide. And that's in the book. I break it down. And it's very important. If you don't read any other chapter... Read the first, the last, and that one. Okay. Don't tell people that, Sam. Tell them to read the whole book. (laughs) (laughs) Read the whole book, right? Please. But definitely make sure you read that one. Because if if you're struggling with, God, who am I? What do you have for me? And what is my unique purpose and contribution to the world Mm. in light of the Great Commission? It's in there. And, and And I discovered this, and we let... 70 young adults through this over three years. So it's tested. It's proven. We discovered this because I was depressed mm. and church did not make sense. The Bible did not make sense. And I said, I, God, you got to give me the secrets to the kingdom right now, mm. because if not, 
just take me home. That's where I was. So that those are the three things I love. <laughs> and I think those are good. Thank you so much. And I think that that last idea of like, what is my purpose? This is a, a lifelong question. This is, there's no one that's ever walked the planet earth that hasn't asked that question. Right now, I just made that up, but I bet that's true, Sam. Like, that's just what everyone's wondering. Like, what am I here for? What am I here for? What's my purpose in life? Yeah. Thank you for that. I am so excited for people to read this book. You do a great job at telling stories and encourage people to really find their their part in their story that God has put them here for. And so it's encouraging. You guys, it's out already. Go pick it up wherever you get books. Please. Yeah. Pick it up. Pick it up. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Okay, Sam, tell me, what are you loving? What are you reading? What's that looking like in your world right now? What am I loving? What am I reading? I'm in seminary. Congrats. So I'm getting a master's in biblical leadership. Okay. From Denver Seminary. I'll be done this time next year. Oh, okay, yeah. Love them. So I'm reading the Bible. (laughs) A a lot. (laughs) I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading Uh books about the Bible. Uh I'm reading commentaries about the Bible. What chapter are you reading right now? I mean, oh what book right now? Gosh. We're in Old Testament. We're in the Pentateuch. <laughs> okay. First five books of the Bible. Yeah. So I'm in Genesis. I'm in Exodus. I'm in Deuteronomy. I mean, I'm just like, I'm jumping all around yeah. everything. And it is just, it is really wild. I think yeah. for, for me, the biggest thing with the text is, and I think for all of us, and maybe people know this, maybe they don't. This was actually something I, I kind of knew, but I didn't know till I fully got in. It's like, you know, and I wish more pastors taught this, that the majority of the Old Testament is just Israel. I mean, I mean, and I know that that is like simple. It's like, oh, we knew that. But you know how many people don't know that the majority of the Old Testament, like you, there, it starts off with kind of humanity and the creation of the world and so on and so forth, which really by Moses has written, which we can uh-huh. get into another, while he's on the road, like of delivering uh-huh. Israel uh-huh. from slavery, he's writing the first five books. It, that's just crazy. That's crazy. But, you know, it, it goes from this big kind of, okay, here's how the world was created, Noah flood. And then it zeroes in from the world to this one family that turns into just the kind of nation of Israel. And the rest of the book is the nation of Israel in terms of Old Testament. That's just so huge, though, when you are really getting into that and you're understanding, oh, wait a minute, this isn't to everyone. This is like just Israel and his. So anyway, because when it explodes in the New Testament, 
it just makes so much more sense. Anyway, okay, so you got me. I'm intimidated. I love it. I love it. Right <laughs> I have a a very, I don't want to say small dream. I have a dream of going to seminary someday. But I just, if you can fit it in, I can fit it in. But it's just one of those things that it just keeps getting pushed back all the time. But my friend Lisa Harper, I think, is at Denver Seminary. And so she's talked serious? to me about it. Yeah, I think so. Listen, go to Denver. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. You should go to Denver because I was looking for a school that was not ultra conservative, but also not ultra liberal, right? I think the tension of the scriptures is that it sits in the middle of conservative and liberal. Mm -hmm. That's the tension. Like really with politics too, right? The answer is not Republican and Democrat usually. It's usually both. It's Mm -hmm. usually like right in the middle. Right. Where it's like, okay, yeah, we need a plan for the poor, but we also need to stimulate the economy. Right. And, and what ends up happening is we end up having to choose the lesser of One the two. Or the other, yeah. And it's like when, when I think the majority of Americans are like, no, we need both. Like we do need a plan for the poor. Yeah. And but we can't have a plan for the poor. If we don't have an economy that's excellent. Right. Mm-hmm. And we also need religious freedom. But we also don't. You know, so it's just these things. So anyway, that's the tension for me of of mostly everything, race too. Like when we talk yeah. race relations in America, right? It's usually not one or the other. It's both uh-huh. and yeah. of us going, oh, that's one perspective. This is another one. And here's what we come to get. Anyway, you asked me what I was <laughs> caring about right now. And I went down so that's why I go to Denver because it's, it doesn't demonize kind of any side. Yeah. It's kind of like, here's the information uh-huh. and it's on you to choose. So I love it. Hey, that, that's you- all I'm reading. We're recording this July 16th for everyone, and I think we could get new news tomorrow, but I think that if you wanted to vote for Kanye West for president, you could, because he was in, then he was out, and now he's back. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody said, you know, if Kanye becomes president, thinking about Kim being first lady. Uh, This is, (laughs) here's the deal, Sam. Five years ago, we would have said, there's no way Kanye West will be president. And listen, Kanye's not going to be president, okay? It's, it's July. He's not going to be president. But five years ago, we would have been like, there's no way. There's no way. Now, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he will in four years. Who knows anymore? Hey, in, a, in a second, Drake might be president. I mean, you exactly. know, it's just like, what is happening? Oh, my gosh. Everything's crazy. We live in a chaotic, crazy world. That is the truth. Um, Sam, thank you so much for the time you spent with us. Congratulations on being the first official man to be on the happy hour. Like, we're having men on from now on, you guys. And Sam, you you set the stage really high. Well, I'm hoping, I, I'm hoping I represented us well. You represented the men well. Uh, it, listen, and I, I just, I want to say in general, what you have contributed to the kingdom has been incredible. I don't know if you hear it often. I don't know if you feel like you're in the back corner somewhere kind of doing your thing and people don't. But I want to tell you, everyone sees it. I see it. We don't get to talk much because when you're working, right, you don't get to like steal away. But everything you do, Jamie, it is noticed, Uh not just in your little sphere, but across the church of America. Uh And some would say around the world, it's an honor for me to be on the show. Please don't stop. And let me say this for anyone listening, please keep supporting Jamie. Oh, you're so kind. Keep because she is a voice. Even as a black man, I want to say it. She is a unifying voice. She is the real deal. And it's an honor for me to be here. So thank you. You're so kind. When I have my TV show, I'll bring you back on. Please. Listen, let me know. (laughs) Let's talk offline. I can connect you to some. (laughs) 
Um, but for real, guys, pick up his book, A Greater Story. Sam, thank you so much. Please tell your Olivia Pope wife that I said hello. And let me know about your new church. I, I will. I'm going to come back. It's going to be. It's. I wish I could announce it now because it's kind of crazy, but I, I'm going to come back and tell you. We, Aaron and I love Atlanta, so we would love to come see you. So. Well, we'll have you on the pulpit. <laughs> I love it. I'll come. I'll be in the pulpit. That's for sure. Uh, Sam, thank you so much. You're awesome. Y'all, I know those last three thoughts that he shared at the end are so helpful when we all work through knowing our lives and stories have purpose. I say it all the time. I'll say it again. Your story matters. Sam's story matters. And I'm so thankful that he shared it with us today. Don't forget, text UBU to 33777 so you can get a direct text with fun news and maybe some freebies in there as well. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, enjoy your week. Happy August. We made it. Share this show with a friend. Have a virtual happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here on Friday with my friend Sophie Hudson. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw. I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 